this is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 93, we sit down with PADT's technical support team and talk about what is exciting in ANSYS 2021 R2, along with news and events from the world of ANSYS. Welcome to episode 93. My name is Eric Miller. I'm one of the owners here at PADT and your host for these podcasts. It is the end of July and it's actually raining in Phoenix. Uh, it's 75 degrees. I'm on my back patio. So if you hear birds or drip drop, that's why. Um, I know we have listeners in places where the virus is still raging and where flash floods are causing devastation. Uh, 2021 may be better than 2020, but not for some people. So hopefully this podcast is a little refuge from the other craziness out there in the world. As mentioned, this is our 93rd episode, and we're just a few months from our big 100. We hope to have something special planned to celebrate that. Our average downloads are still sitting at about 317 per episode and just over 29,000 downloads. So it'll be nice to get that 30,000 download milestone in a couple um, episodes. You can help us out by letting your coworkers know about all things ANSYS and by subscribing to the podcast to your favorite podcasting publisher. And speaking of the podcast, I've been asked a few times now how we produce it and publish the podcast. So we start with recording an interview um, or a discussion on Microsoft Teams and then take that recording into Adobe Audition. We use Adobe Audition to do all the editing and extract the audio, cut off the bits at the front and the back and remove any awkward pauses. Next, I record the intro, the closing, and this bit where I blather on um, in uh, Adobe Audition directly. The various audio files get put through a few cheesy filters and laid out in the proper order within the application, and this gets saved as MP3. Trevor Rubinoff then takes that MP3 and uploads it to Podbean. That's the uh, service we use, podbean.com. Um, and we uh, use the free version. Podbean then publishes the long, to a long list of sites, uh, and some of those sites, like Apple and Stitcher, then publish to dozens more, and that's how it gets out there uh, with one upload to, um, I don't know how many, but probably 30 or 40 different uh, podcasting sites. And um, it's actually pretty easy. Uh, although Trevor may not agree when I get him the MP3 late on a Monday morning and he has to do a check pass and then edit it and then get the publishing done. But uh, when things go well, it's actually pretty quick and pretty easy. So don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions uh, for your own podcast or have any curiosity about the whole topic. It's actually very easy to do. Um, so let's talk about our interview today. Uh, in the last episode, we talked about the last release of ANSYS R1 for 2021. And then also we kind of got into some wool gathering about what we see down the road in the future. And then uh, I think on the same day that we recorded that, ANSYS 2021 R2 got released. And uh, the team's been looking at it. And we really got just got together to have a discussion about what we like and what we plan on exploring in more detail in this new release, hopefully inspiring some of you to do the same thing and to try some new things out. We had a pretty full house this time, so it was a good discussion. So let's take a listen. I want to welcome everybody to yet another roundtable discussion. Um, this week, we are going to be talking about uh, the latest release of ANSYS, and we'll get into the details of what, who, what, when, where, and why the, uh, what the release was re released. Um, but before we do that, I want to go around the room and get, let everybody introduce themselves very briefly. I think you've all been on the po podcast before, but just let us know your name and what you do here at PDT, and I'll call you out so we can, since we're all virtual. Um, Alexander. Uh, yeah, hi everyone. Um, yeah, I'm uh, 
lead EVU pre-sale engineer. So I'm basically in the front, front, front line of the sales for HFSS and SciWave and all the other EBU products. Great. And Joe Woodward. Hi, I'm Joe Woodward. I'm senior mechanical engineer and lead trainer, uh, handle tech support and training for Ansys products. Great. Josh. Yeah, so I'm Josh Stout. I'm the systems engineer here. I do uh, mostly support at this point, um, but also things like electronic scrolling, just depending on what we need. And you're the, you're the guy that gets stuck with all the new products all the time. So we appreciate that very much. Um, Sina. Hi, I'm a senior application engineer, CFT application engineer here, four years with PADT, uh, working with Fluent, CFX, and other uh, CFT products. Great. And Ted Harris. I'm Ted Harris. I'm the director of our simulation support team here at PADT and also a longtime ANSYS user. And Tom. Uh, this is Tom Chadwick. I'm uh, one of the senior CFD engineers here, and I've been here for a little over seven years now. Great, great. Well, welcome all. I don't know, Ted, if you, why don't you get it started by giving us a rundown on when it was released um, and um, kind of a brief idea of what people need to do if they want to download it before we get started. Well, I think the official release is actually today, today okay. or yesterday. Okay. So the soft rollout, I believe, was on July 7th. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been available on the customer portal for customers and us to download mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks now. Okay. Okay. So just go to the customer portal and get it there. And and by the way, we're recording this on July 21st, so it should definitely be officially released and out there and promoted by the time you're listening to this podcast. So um, it is very new. I, mean, I know uh, most of you have loaded it and hopefully have had a little bit of time to at least look through the documentation and play with it a little bit. So I'll start it off with the question of, you know, what is the... Uh, the feature you're most excited about trying out in 2021 R2? Uh, I guess this is Tom Chadwick. I guess mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and start. Um, one of the things that uh, I haven't really had much of a chance to play with yet, but um, mm -hmm. is the new uh, CFD Pro version of the CFD solver. It's basically, it's kind of like a a more advanced version of the discovery tool. It's got okay. the, the full up fluent solver built into it, but they've uh, streamlined the interface so that it doesn't present you with as many inputs uh, that you don't need. Um, they kind of have a little bit of uh, smarts into the interface to make it easier for new users to, to work with. So I'm so interested that, to play with that. Does that sit in space claim or in the fluent environment? I believe it's inside of, I mean, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it, it's standalone mm -hmm. uh, okay. outside of, outside of workbench. And uh, I believe it's yeah. its own application. CFD pro can be used with discovery to provide access to the flagship level fluid solver mm -hmm. from within discovery or okay. uh, at R2, my understanding is it can also be used to run standalone fluent. Great. Yeah. Okay. 
Very cool. Well, we'll definitely have you back on, Tom, to, to share what you've discovered there, because that does sound like a very useful. There's a lot of times you don't you don't need there's something. I mean, our customers own Fluent because sometimes you need the bells and whistles, but sometimes you don't. So uh, right, yeah, cool. Yeah. Adding adding to uh, yeah. Fluent's uh, new or updates. Uh, so Fluent users probably have noticed uh, in the past few releases that uh, it's getting a lot of uh, updates and uh, user experience and workflows. Also, you know, the user interface, uh, user friendliness, uh, modern look, uh, graphic updates. So they, they keep pushing those things and I expect mm -hmm. more of those uh, updates. As I know and that user experience uh, uh, area, they're, they're adding more capabilities uh, in the graphics. Uh, like embedded windows, um, and then you can automatically kind of update your graphics uh, objects as it solves. So you can qualitatively, qualitatively look at the the results as it it uh, keeps solving and updating the solution. Uh, something like the residuals that used to look, the users used to look at. Mm -hmm. and now they can actually look at the updated uh, graphics objects as as it uh, continues the, the to solve. And that's also, how, yeah, that's that's how I would tell if I was walking past a cubicle with a CFD engineer is they had mm -hmm. the graph of the residuals on the screen, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now you can have it kind of uh, again in, in multiple windows or embedded windows. You can have it mm -hmm. uh, small uh, as a small window and mm -hmm. like say bottom right of your your mm -hmm. uh, graphics uh, window and and then have the actual uh, post processing objects getting updated. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's same as same thing for for post processing capabilities. Like uh, you can now uh, do the probes with your mouse, hover your mouse over those graphics uh, objects, and it'll show the actual values. Something I think is long requested and needed. Uh, very user friendly way to quickly look at some some values just by hovering your mouse. If you have multiple objects. Uh, on top of each other, as you move your mouse, it will kind of summarize all the values for different, let's say, contours and vectors in one uh, window next to the uh, cursor. So, again, uh, these type of uh, user experience and usability is uh, it, it's amazing how they keep uh, pushing it each each release. Yeah, that is going to be really useful. Yeah. Anybody else have something they want to check out? Yeah, so there's some new features in the electronics desktop environment that I think are uh, pretty interesting from the thermal management perspective. Um, so one of the tools that I work with primarily is IcePack and electronics desktop, which gives us temperatures and flows and all of that. Um, but it's always been a little bit of a hassle to go from there into like more of a mechanical setting. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, obviously, when we're looking at Thermal plots, there are stresses that go along with those a lot of times. So we, we'd have to bring those over to Workbench. And it was certainly doable before, but it was a bit awkward. Um, so they're they're actually adding a new structural solver inside of the electronics desktop environment ah. um, so that we can use those temperatures that we solve for an ice pack to find stresses. Uh, so that'll be fun to play with, I think. That's that's uh, everybody becomes multi physics at some point, right? Let's stick yeah. a little solver in there. That's cool. That's good to know. Um, that that will make that workflow quite a bit simpler uh, to get get those things done. Uh, anybody else? Well, I can go next. Yeah. So, a couple of things. So, one big one is I see it coming from uh, you know 
jet engine turbo machinery background is now in mechanical, you can do a multi-stage cyclic symmetry analysis. And so what that means is, you know, in, in the old days, we would have a rotor, maybe a turbine mm-hmm. rotor that we were going to do a simulation on. And maybe there's, I don't know, 37 blades around the rotor. So you would, for computational efficiency, chop that rotor up into one thirty seventh of 360 degrees. And so now you've got this wedge that's a repeatable section of the turbine rotor uh, that you want to model. And, you know, that is nothing new. That's old technology that's been able to be solved in, in ANSYS Mechanical and Mechanical APDL for quite a while. What's new, though, is that uh, you can now have multiple rotors that would have different blade counts, so different cyclic sector counts. So the, the reason that's important is to avoid harmful resonances. Mm-hmm. Typically, rotors have different counts uh, as you go from front to back of the engine. So if one rotor has 37 blades, the next one might have 41 blades or some you know number that's that's different. Um, to again try to avoid harmful resonances but uh, traditionally you couldn't have a model that had a 137th wedge uh, connected to another part of the model that had a 141st wedge but that capability is now there so you can you can much more efficiently model multiple stages together in the same model because we can now take advantage of cyclic symmetry even with different sector counts in the same model and that works for static as well as modal and pre-stress modal analyses so the other thing i'll mention is Mm -hmm. there are new icons so uh, i first noticed that i mean i knew they were coming but i first noticed that when i went into the help because the help system has different icons for all the tools and they're they're new they're fresh they're crisp i i think they look good yeah yeah that's cool the, the new color theme for the, all the logos and icons are black and gold, I would say. <laughs> Much more consistent across products, whether that's a, a good or a bad thing, I guess, is yeah. preference. But yeah. yeah, yeah, the icons are preference, but it's nice to see a change. Uh, back to what Ted was part, talking about with the different uh, blade sector uh, wedge sizes. Um, I will definitely check that out. Um, like Ted, I, I began my career modeling those disc wedges um, manually <laughs> and uh, writing code to write the constraint equations. I'm really fascinated by that to understand how that, that works. So um, I'm going to, I'm writing that down right now to actually uh, have a talk about that on the podcast in the future, because that's anybody doing rotating equipment. That's big. Um, I think Alex is actually running. Uh, Alex Christian is actually running a, a stack up right now um doing full full 360 because he needed this capability so we'll definitely have him check that out yeah speaking of uh turbo machinery maybe Mm. i i I can add that uh uh in terms of ansys cloud maybe it's a it's a big shift but uh, the uh (laughs) using cfx uh the blade modeler is actually now uh supported in the cloud and can use elastic licensing licensing ansys elastic Currency, it's called AEC. Uh, so basically, you can have or solve end to end blade design workflow using elastic licensing. Uh, go cool. from blade design to the to created uh, the geometry, and you can mesh it with turbo mesh and solve it with CFX all, all on the cloud. Basically. Nice, nice. 
yeah, more and more migrating to cloud, right? Just they're working on that as time goes by to get these older products or not so older products moved over so they'll run in that environment. It's very useful. Um, anything else anybody have that they're excited about? Obviously, I would say again, uh, using mm -hmm. uh, I know there are going to be new tutorials uh, using CFX with with Optislang. It's a text based, uh, basically. Uh, but uh, I, I I highly recommend people uh, if they do optimizations. Maybe Josh can can do like a quick <laughs> once <-handed laughs> the Optislang introduction, but. Uh, they're new, uh, really useful tutorials uh, for text-based CFX workflows in OptiSlang uh, on the Learning Hub and Learning Hub uh, ALH. Yeah, I wasn't actually aware of that, but that's really good to know. Yep. It's, I think one of the biggest challenges is there's a lot to know. <laughs> um, Alexander, okay. did you have something? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I guess, uh, you know, that's a good, perfect segue to, to the electronics over here, yes. since, you know, obviously. Plus, I guess I, f I figured we might as well give some, uh, you know, time to all the mechanical engineers who listen to us right now to go get coffee and then stop listening because electronics coming up right now. Yes. <laughs> I'll be talking about GFSS and something other, you know, boring <laughs> for mechanical people. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would say the couple exciting things, features uh, for electronic business unit. Well, yeah, let's, uh, so OptiSlang, right? So OptiSlang now is uh, integrated with the OptiMetrics and OptiMetrics is a part of a GPSS we can consider. It's a separate tool, used to be, but now it's so uh, integrated so well with the GPSS. So you're basically using that tool to figure out your model and optimize your, well, pretty much all different things, geometry, for example, of antenna. So now, the Optimetrics, it is still a great tool. You can still use it, but then there is some limitations. And to overcome those, that's when OptiSlang comes in. And usually, I guess it used to be, uh, we would we would recommend a uh, separate workflow for OptiSlang because it was separate uh, separate tool in this case. Mm -hmm. But now uh, there is an option in Optimetrics is to, set, to create a setup for OptiSlang right away from inside of the HFSS and Optimetrics. So that's why it, it, I think it's a powerful thing. And that's, that's something which I'm going to be, uh, honestly, I'm actually going to be doing it tomorrow, I think. I'm going to be trying to figure out um, good. some good use case for this. All, only because I, I know it's going to be powerful. And I know lots of customers want this. So that's why I think it's one of the you know biggest things. And uh, just to mention two other things, so the, the big ones, I, I, I kind of think... Um, I also did try just a bit of this, but of course I didn't get in a benchmark yet. So this, uh, you know, fee plus measure. So I've been talking about this for so many, 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 many times. And, uh, but I, I think so nowadays it's, it, it's now it's here. Now it's available. Everybody should try this and see how it works. Especially if you have a complicated model with the chip with you know, one wires, that's when uh, this uh, fee new fee measure shines really well, if you have something like that in the structure. So, and uh, just one more, because I think people didn't get enough coffee yet, so, you know, they're still doing <laughs> coffee break. Uh, so, HFSS, I would say, is VR Plus. Now it has a little bit more application uh, improvements. Um, well, I guess I wouldn't call it improvements, it's just more, more, 
diversity of applications now. So it, it, it was a great feature and there's lots of different uh, use cases we had before, but at this point we got so more, uh, so much more, um, well, a lot of more extra extra fe features mm -hmm. features inside of the SBR Plus, and so all of those all of those features, um, you 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 can try it out and see how well it works. That is very cool, and um, yeah, I I I mean, I I have to admit, I get a little jealous sometimes when HFSS adds so many cool things, and I want to see more <laughs> more stuff put into other codes that I'm more familiar with. But it's we're all one happy family, right? So I can't. Can't a little little friendly competition doesn't hurt though. Um, <laughs> anybody else have anything to look into? Um, well, obviously this yeah. is something we're just learning how to use now. But the um, the big thing for some of our uh, customers is going to be the uh, Rocky DEM yes tool that uh, allows you to model. I mean, it's the the more I look at it, the more I'm amazed I am at what it has in it, it has the ability to model um, particulate flow. Um, uh, you can model the the breakup of particles, so you can do rock crushing. You know, mining applications, um, breakage, so you can do packaging of food products, um, bottles, things like that. Um, it's got the ability to model uh, fibers, so you can do uh, complex, uh, you know, string fiber being blown. They had an example of a vacuum cleaner vacuuming up the carpet, and mm -hmm. you could watch the brush and the suction device sucking up the, you know, little uh, Cheerios <laughs> from the carpet, uh, little Lego pieces hair, all kinds of things. Um, so it's got a lot of capability in terms of what you can, what you can model with it. And it not only models the particles themselves, but you can also connect it with mechanical. So you can look at things like, um, one of the applications they showed was a, um, earth moving equipment mm -hmm. with, uh, basically a, uh, a bucket scooping up soil and, uh, you could link the uh, solution of the forces being applied to the bucket by the dirt and look at stresses and um, deflections of the bucket based upon the interaction with the dirt. Nice. So. Yeah, and if if this this uh, product Rocky DEM is Ansys Rocky DEM is is new to those listening, uh, do go back. We had a podcast a couple episodes ago where we talked to the developers of the code and the Ansys product manager about about it, and uh, it's. It, it, I think you said it right, Tom. It, every time we dig into it, we learn more and are amazed at what it can do. Things that we probably thought, well, you probably can't model that. And you're like, oh, yeah. nope, nope, we can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, someone, they had, a, had an example of modeling um, uh, drug application for uh, aerosol breathing, you know, like wow. so uh, an inhaler. So you would inject the inhaler and inject the particles into the lungs and you could track how far into the lungs the particles were getting, where the particles are, if they're getting stuck somewhere. And they were actually using uh, an 
MRI results oh, wow. to develop a 3D model of the the air passages in someone's lungs and modeling various, you know, depending on how their lungs are restricted, if they have COPD or something like that, you can model how that changes wow. the, the drug ingestion. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty incredible. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I, I don't know if we even had time to look at other products like, um, Alistina <laughs> and uh, Granta or AGI or any of those. Has anybody got any any exciting things they saw in any of those products yet or going to take some time to dig into those? Uh, not directly Alistina, but the uh, so obviously one of the challenges for, for ANSYS internally is as they add to the portfolio and mm -hmm. make everything like compatible with each other. So the one update I noticed in Ansight is that now the um, the Alistina uh, the reader basically is there oh, for for, for Alistina results to be post processed and and then with with Ansight basically. Good, good. That is useful. I'm a big big fan of Ansight, so that's good to know. Yeah, same here. Yeah. A couple of things on Alistina. It can yeah. be run on Ansys Cloud. Okay. Um, and as far as within mechanical, there's some enhancements there on uh, types of models that can be uh, incorporated, such as uh, uh, elements that erode or fail. And there's a, also a very easy way to switch between implicit and explicit solvers for Elastina <laughs> in mechanical. That's useful for preloading a structure. Right. Uh, a very important feature that, uh, yeah, that, that's good to see that they've added that in there because I know that's something we've we've uh, wanted for a long time. Cool, cool. They've been busy as well. Um, I'm sure there's other stuff. Um, any, but I, I think I'm gonna wrap it up uh, because we're gonna basically spend the next six months talking in detail what we learned. But we wanted to kind of cover what we're excited about before we start digging in. Um, any anything anybody important that we missed? Anybody wants to bring up before we close it down? All right. Well, I see no um, purple on my screen. I, there's a purple circle around your pictures if you want to talk. So uh, I don't see any purple circles. So we'll, we'll close it down. I want to thank you guys. I learned a few things. Um, I'm super stoked about the uh, the cyclic symmetry one, especially um, near to near and dear to my heart. So I'm going to I'm going to dig into that and learn more. And uh, we hope to talk to all of you in one way or another over the next six months as we dig into 2020, 2021R2. Um, and and learn it better and help our customers use it better. Um, as always, a uh, good recommendation is to read the release notes. Uh, we will be having webinars throughout the uh, the next couple months talking about these things in detail. As we learn more, we'll share it with you. And Ansys will be doing the same. Um, Ted, is there anything else they should know from a, from a resource standpoint? The customer portal, I guess, is a good place to go to get more info. Certainly. The... ANSYS customer portal, I just checked in the ANSYS website, ANSYS.com, has information about the new release 2020, 2021 R2. That's a tongue twister for us yep. for some reason. <laughs> um, it is. Certainly the customer portal, I mean, the help system has the release notes in there. So, yep. Yeah, we're, we're talking about ANSYS 2021 R2 on July 21st, 2021. So, yeah, it's a lot of twos and ones. Um, 
I want to thank you guys as always for your time. Always interesting discussion. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll talk to all of you individually or in group over the next couple months and learn more. So thanks a lot. And everybody have a great rest of the week. Yeah, me too. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thanks, Bye. Bye guys. Okay. There's a lot to look at. Uh, we just, just hit the highlights that got our attention. As mentioned, we'll deep dive into a couple key areas as we go through the second half of this year. And I am also promising to carve out, at least for myself, some time to explore this multi-sage cyclic symmetry capability in ANSYS Mechanical. I'm going to take advantage of having a captive audience and talk about something besides simulation for this episode's commercial. I want to discuss uh, all the new 3D printing machines that PDT has recently added that we resell. For a long time, we've been a Stratasys channel partner, and I've, uh, we, we've placed and maintained FDM and Polyjet systems in companies across the, the Western US. However, Stratasys has been busy and has introduced three new types of additive manufacturing machines to their offering, and PDT just added a new vendor, EOS. The new Stratasys machines are really exciting. The first one is super accurate and fast stereolithography line that they acquired when they purchased RPS. Then they bought a company called Origin, what we feel is the strongest projection-based VAT photopolymerization system. That's where they use a projector to put light on the bottom of the VAT and they grow the part upside down. And then they introduced a powder bed system that uses selective heating to melt the polymer powder and build the parts that way. This approach is very fast and um, different companies, including Stratasys now, use it to make a lot of parts very fast. On top of all that, we signed up with EOS to be a reseller. We've been a user of their equipment. Now we resell it across the entire Western U.S. And uh, we're representing their 3D metal printing systems. EOS is the largest manufacturer of laser powder bed machines, if you're not familiar with them. I bring all this up because we are finding that many engineers are aware of what we've sold for years, you know, that Polyjet and FDM tools, but not of all these new options. Uh, whether you need strong metal parts, realistic color prototypes, large intricate geometry, low volume production, high volume production, or strong high temp tooling, we offer a solution now. We no longer have to say, well, we really don't offer a technology that does that and uh, have to refer customers to a competitor because we can offer almost everything available now with these new things that we've added to our portfolio. So please don't hesitate to email info at padtinc.com or give us a call and talk to our 3D printing experts. They are just as technically strong as our ANSYS team, and uh, I think you'll find working with them is just as much fun. So let's take a look at the ANSYS stock. Um, it's still on a slow rise here, and since it kind of uh, hit a little bit of a valley earlier in the year. It's now back up to where it was at the start of the year at $365.40, which is a big jump uh, just this week. But it's still behind uh, the 17% gain the S&P 500 has set this year. Um, in fact, I think it, they set a, a new uh, record high for the S&P 500 uh, on Friday. I'm recording this on Saturday. ANSYS News, um, there's two important stories worth sharing that came out in the past week. First is that ANSYS Software now runs their semiconductor simulation tools on the AWS ARM-based Graviton2 processor, which is kind of a cool name for a processor. Uh, why do we care? Um, well, the cost of those Graviton2 processors is about 40% less to run than AWS's Intel-based offerings. Now, yes, most of you don't use the semiconductor simulation products, but it's a start. 
they have shown uh, it can be done for those solvers. So maybe one of um, the solvers you use is next. This is a massively parallel stuff. So they're basically relatively average speed processors, but you run thousands of them at the same time. So it's perfect for, say, digital twin and other probabilistic studies. So watch for more. Hopefully we'll see uh, greater capability in that area as time goes by. Next is a new student product, uh, electronics desktop for students. So eMag has been the one area where ANSYS did not have a strong free student offering. There were some technical reasons in the code. I, I remember when, when um, discussing it a few years ago, but uh, it seems like they've ironed those out. So they can now create something that can be downloaded and used for free by students and not abused. It includes uh, ANSYS HFSS, ANSYS Maxwell, ANSYS Q3D Extractor, and ANSYS IcePack, so all the big electronics simulation packages. Um, they, these are the dominant tools in the marketplace right there, and it's been kind of a shame that students haven't been able to learn how to use them while they were in college, uh, and before they graduated, they'd have to learn on the job, so now they can. And if you're a student listening to this or know a student listening to this that's in that area, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out and go to ansys.com academic to uh, download a free version. Or, or, you know, while you're there, if you haven't done so before, you can get the mechanical fluid um, discovery and SCADE student products. All of those are available as well on the same website. So do check that out, uh, regardless of which physics you spend your time in. Um, let's switch gears and take a look at the ANSYS blog. Uh, if you like auto racing and you obviously like simulation because while you're listening to this podcast, you should read the article ANSYS and Red Bull Racing Honda pave the way to track success. It's a really good overview of how they use ANSYS products across the vehicle to improve the performance. And uh, there's nothing, um, you know, that pushes technology more than uh, Formula One racing. So it's a great article. And then the second one that I recommend everybody check out is um, about ANSYS Minerva. That's the ANSYS tool for simulation data management. And it keeps growing in capability. Uh, every time you turn around, they add some really cool functions. The latest, and this article covers it, is batch submission tool. So from within the data management tool, you can create workflows and you can uh, grab the, the models you want and specify things and then submit them to high-performance computing solutions. So it's called um, Improve Application Management and Stream HPC submission. I know for a lot of people, submitting batch has been um, not the easiest thing to do within the ANSYS product family. Uh, do check this out if you have um, been struggling with that and want a better solution. I think you'll find that it's uh, what you're looking for. On our blog, our, our engineers have been busy. It's been great. Uh, Miles added two more Flownext tech tips since our last episode. The latest, uh, number 12, is a, I found it really interesting. It goes into how you can use Flownext to size your pumps. You've got this system of pipes and uh, valves and all the sort of fluid thermal things that one would model in Flownext, and you need pumps in different places. And this is kind of a tool that's been built in since day one in Flownext that lets you um, pick and size the pumps that you need. Then our very own Pam Waterman gave us an overview of a project we are doing with a group called Girl Gang Garage. This is so cool, and I'm going to talk about it a lot over the coming months. They're ripping the, this, this group called the Girl Gang Garage, which is an all-female uh, auto mechanic place. They are ripping the powertrain out of a 2019 Volvo S60 Polestar. That is a vehicle with a really cool drivetrain. It's a turbocharged, supercharged engine with hybrid electric drive as well. 
Um, and they're shoehorning into a 1961 Volvo PV544. Now, my car, my first car was a 1964 122S. So it's the model that came after the PV544. So I'm super invested in this for a lot of other reasons. And also when I was growing up, my dad drove a P1800, which is also a contemporary Volvo from the era. So it's really cool for me. Uh, what we're doing is helping them optically scan the frame on the PV544 and using 3D printing to make tooling fixtures and even some end use parts that they will uh, put on the new vehicle for the build. And I'll try and get some uh, simulation there as well if I can, I can find uh, some, some reasons to do it. Please do check out Pam's first update on our blog to learn more about it. We're also publishing the first of two videos from our EMAG expert here at PADT, Kang Lee, on how to use ANSYS Maxwell. This one is about how to build a magnetic gear model. So if you're not familiar with ANSYS Maxwell, it's a really cool way to get familiar with it. And then Pam, who's been very busy writing away, also did a blog, blog post um, on uh, a cool build we're doing with 3D printing. And I know this is all things ANSYS, but this is cool stuff, so I'm sharing it. One of our additive manufacturing support engineers is building a new 3D printed clock. It's called the Triaxis Turbulon. I'm probably mispronouncing that clock. And it's a very, very cool mechanism. So if you're into mechanisms, you should check it out, the article out just for that reason. And uh, the article is called Three Dimensions of Time, a new 3D printed clock highlighting PDT's additive capabilities. And yes, we did publish uh, one more article. It has actual ANSYS content in it. It's actually probably the most useful of the ones I've listed. After a slew of technical support questions on the topic, Josh Stout wrote an article called an ANSYS licensing tip, ANSYS LMD underscore license underscore file. And it's a very simple way. Uh, he goes through and explains a very simple way to tell ANSYS which license server to use. So if you're, it's an older method, but it's probably the easiest way to do this. So if you're on more than one license server and you're hopping around, uh, it's a great way to check it out and um, um, change which license server you're pulling your licenses from. Uh, very simple and very easy. Uh, we don't have any uh, upcoming events for the month of August. It's pretty much done for for the year. But I will say this, that August, uh, yeah, it's July right now. July is done. <laughs> August is coming, and it's going to be really busy, and we hope to see some of you as we get out and about more. So looking at our uh, padtinc.com slash events page, the first is going to be Design Engineer Build 2021 at, uh, in Anaheim. And this is the former Pacific Design Show. It's still MDM West. This is where they take multiple shows. And they put them into one giant Anaheim Convention Center. And it's from August 10th through the 12th. PDT will both have a booth as well as uh, I am running the panel, or the track actually, and a panel within the track on 3D printing. And we're going to talk about all sorts of cool stuff, um, including material usage is one of the things I'm going to focus on, is using ANSYS Granta to select your materials for 3D printing. And um, there's a whole other bunch of topics in that track. So if you're going to be at the Anaheim show this year, uh, which is usually in February, but it's going to be held in August this year, uh, please do check out our booth and or the track that I'm uh, taking care of. Then on the 17th through the 19th, uh, for those of you in Arizona who are executives, the ANSYS, or the Arizona Technology Council CEO retreat for this year is going to be in Prescott. Uh, 
And that's again from the 17th to the 19th. And then the third big event, which again, I hope to see many of you at, is the 36th Space Symposium. So this was uh, delayed like most events last year, and it's being held a little bit later in the year, uh, again in August. Uh, it's on the 23rd, I think, through the, or is it 20th through the 24th? I can't remember the exact dates. But uh, we'll have a booth there with some other aerospace companies from Arizona, and we'll also have a booth for Stratasys, um, EOS and uh, a little bit of ANSYS stuff. So we're going to have two booths. We're going to be in two booths there. Actually three. Now I think about it because some of our uh, salespeople and engineers will be in the Stratasys booth. So we'll be, you'll see PAD t-shirts all over that uh, space symposium, the 36th, and uh, that's in Colorado Springs. So if you plan on attending that event, please do stop by and say hi. I will be in the Arizona booth. And that is it for events. We will be scheduling some webinars as well. Trevor will get those on the calendar as soon as he gets them organized. Um, and that's it for the podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening once again. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. And do spread the word. Subscribe, download, what you need to do. And as always, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 93. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS Inc. and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.